Historical AF. This is us. I'm Natalie. I'm Kina. And you. <laughs> Special guest. <laughs> I'm Carrie. Carrie, she's back with us. We are a historian, a librarian, and a special guest delivering you the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. And in those holes are coming military fun facts. And I'm so excited. And I'm glad that we have Carrie. We're really excited to have you for military since you were in the military. I was. You have a lot of that knowledge that we do not have. (laughs) You have the inside (laughs) scoop. Knowledge. <laughs> <Quite> <laughs> knowledge. She was in the Air Force. Man. So what what are you going what's your master's gonna be in? Organi- organizational and industrial psychology. Oh, that's really cool. That's a mouthful. That's really <laughs> cool. I'm trying to look at the link between veterans and the criminal justice system and like oh, how how it is the way it is and why it is the way it is and you know propose solutions to fix it again i'm not worthy you're so cool <laughs> thank you nobody That's thinks really i'm cool. cool this feels great keep <laughs> we do we think you're cool yes most definitely i know as soon as you started telling me about what you do in life and everything i'm like can you please come on to the podcast because it would be really <laughs> That's also really cool that you're doing that branch of psychology because a lot of people tend to sway towards like family therapy and Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a few people I know in like sports therapy, but that's a branch that you don't hear a lot of people going into. So that's really cool. <laughs> Bless you. Did I hide that one? <laughs> nope. That's all right. I think <laughs> it's super cool. You guys do a podcast. I like. I, I just like don't even want to think about how hard it is to start it. I like now that you guys are on a roll, it probably feels more, I don't know. Also, I've really been enjoying listening to the podcast and like in the beginning, feeling it out. And then like having the guests, it like enriches it so much because I listen to a ton of podcasts and they get boring pretty quick when it's just the same people over and over, unless you just love those people. Yeah. Um, So you guys keep it fresh. And I think that's pretty cool. Thank you. That's what we're hoping for. You know, new people bring different energy, and I think that's really fun. Mm-hmm. You're bringing a pretty cool superhero energy right now. <laughs> uh, kick ass vibes. <laughs> you know, Natalie helped me with a case that she didn't even realize she did because I was listening to the podcast. I've been working on this murder case, and she was talking about. So, just briefly, there's a lot of blood on the scene that didn't make sense how it all got places, and I just like wasn't understanding. And then she talked about how arterial blood spray can go up to 36 feet and i was like oh it just shot out of her artery it didn't you know holy shit that is so cool yeah natalie, you're a goddamn hero so yeah natalie's a hero and yeah i listened um. to a podcast called true crime obsessed and they do a hero bell so if we had a bell for natalie right now a little hero bell for natalie oh i don't have bells. i don't i don't need that ding ding <laughs> ding 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 yeah, every time my dad got sick or hurt, he had a bell and he called it a ringy dingy, and he would just ring it all the time when he wanted something. And so now I'm like, never <laughs> That's will there be a bell in my that. house? <laughs> yeah. yeah, never. I and mean, it almost just sounds inappropriate. Oh, he was so weird, but yeah, ringy dingy. He broke yeah, his does, right? leg 
doing dumb shit and he was just constantly screaming and then he never called my mom like anything but wife and he would scream and be like ding, 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 ding. oh i do call my husband husband i'm like husband where are you i gotta be quiet he might hear me <laughs> I'm running what is it, <laughs> yeah well yeah so he calls me whiff so. mm-hmm. that's cute Whoa. i like that. <laughs> yeah i actually think you would love my husband natalie just like getting getting reacquainted with you i probably would <laughs> i think you would love him yeah, I I'm a little disappointed. I was gonna go to our 10 year high school <laughs> reunion and I was gonna bully you into going, but then somebody we went to school with is gonna get married that same week, so <laughs> I'm gonna go to her wedding instead. Oh, but next time I come to mm-hmm. Arkansas, I'm gonna find you, Natalie. <laughs> Most definitely. Did it sound like a threat? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it a little nice, but yes, I'll take it as a threat. <laughs> I know where you are. Yeah, it, it would. If anything, it was the preemptive, like, I'll bully you into going to this yeah. <laughs> before him to, like, All right, we're doing, I'm going to, we're going to be involved. Yeah. You, you got lucky on this one. <laughs> no, definitely. If you're in Little Rock or even when you come anywhere near Arkansas, we are definitely getting together and you feel free to crash on my, at my place or anything like that. So, no, you're um, definitely welcome. Yay. Come to Arkansas, get some sunlight. technology, man. Bringing people together. It's amazing. Yeah, Facebook is like a wild thing because people you knew forever ago, you pop up on Facebook and then Mm -hmm. it's like reconnecting. I usually get annoyed by like friend suggestions because I'm like, these are people I don't want to be connected (laughs) to. But then uh, Carrie popped up like, oh, she looks so good. We're going to try this. (laughs) (laughs) See what happens. In all fairness, I was a really rough around the edges teenager. So anybody who wants to avoid me, who knew me as a teenager, like, I get it. I understand. I'm a very different person now. Y'all met a different version of Carrie. She's a new person now. Man, how big was she? She's just more like, oh, it was like. I think there was what? 250 or 150 in our graduating class, but I can't oh, remember okay. which. So not huge. I just 150. That, yeah, that's probably what Tori would say. I don't know. She knows that stuff. Or just us. And so there's probably like 400, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because we have four grades in our high school. Yeah. Oh, that's much bigger than I was thinking. It, the school that I went to before they consolidated, you know, we're talking about their schools consolidating. It was a lot smaller. It was like literally the size of our high school probably for K through 12. So. Yeah. And then, uh, in Mina where I'm from is like the biggest town of smallest towns. Oh, that's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the County seat. Yeah. Like the only place that has a grocery store. Oh, that's what Mountain Home was. (laughs) Had the Walmart. Nothing else. Yeah. That's Mina. We had the Walmart (laughs) and stage and four restaurants. Oh, we had a stage too and four restaurants. Yeah. I went to Norfolk and I graduated 28 people. And the Mountain Home had like two to 400 people, I think. I think now it's like thousands. I don't know. It's like huge now. It's crazy. North Dakota has less people in the entire state than most cities have in their city limits there's only 750,000 people in the entire state oh wow so like a lot of kids graduate from schools where there's like 30 kids or something like that I'm like how did you do that how do you find a partner you want to spend time with you just (laughs) you don't (laughs) you move away (laughs) that's what you do no it was I kind of liked the small school because my classes were like 12 people so 
yeah. you never had to worry about a teacher not knowing who you are and not giving you like help and stuff. But I think it would just qu- depend on the quality of teachers and, you know, mm-hmm. the, but that's going to be anywhere you go. If it's yeah. a good teacher, they're going to be a good teacher no matter what. And the only thing that saved my school from consolidation is that we were consecutively the highest scoring school in Arkansas. It's the only reason they didn't consolidate us. Yeah. Everybody else around us did. I, there was that one point in like. It's just Keena because she didn't make any C's. Oh, no. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't test well. So that was not on me. <laughs> I panic. <laughs> it's all the other smart people. I just work really hard because I'm afraid of failure. But testing, I panic and it just sucks. I took the ACT three times. I'm not proud of it. I took the ACT one time, showed up 30 minutes late, and they let me take it anyway, and I have no idea what I scored. (laughs) (laughs) And I joined the Air Force. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it took me three times to pass the math part. (laughs) So I didn't have to do remedial math, but yeah, the... The Air Force test, I, I did the ASVAB, and then they do, like, that extra yeah. Air Force game thing. I scored really high on that, and I thought, I felt really proud of myself. I was like, oh, I made, like, a 90. I'm so smart. And then both my roommates made a 99. In fact, my husband made a 100. I'm like, well, now I'm just I got a an dumb one. I scored the highest <laughs> in our school. That's how I joined the Air Force, is, like, yeah. they made us take ASVAB, and then I just ended up scoring the highest. I remember, like... I didn't like to do bad on things, but I didn't, I remember like not thinking that it was that big of a deal. And then next thing you know, I'm like getting recruited and signing contracts and here yeah. I am. Well, I also <laughs> was like a 90 post 9-11 because I graduated in 2003. So it was like prime recruiting. Oh, you're so everybody. Old. I am. But yeah, it was like everybody in my age group was getting recruited. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I felt really smart about myself. No, I don't know. Yeah, math is hard, Frankie. Marissa, yes, that could be my next podcast. Why Kena doesn't have a math podcast? <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I don't like, do numbers. Mini series. <sighs> like right now, I'm trying to do like a business venture that involves a lot of numbers, <laughs> and it is very difficult for me. So pray for me. I'm just love that Frankie put because math is hard, and then Marissa responds just like words. So <laughs> have no hope of survival at all. None whatsoever. Yeah. We barely do words on this podcast. I just listened to that right before. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really good one-liner. I was really proud of that one for me. I was warming up listening to you guys, making fun of you. That's how I got ready. Okay. Yeah. It's It's pretty easy. (laughs) Everybody that's been a guest is like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm like, don't be. It's just a big clusterfuck. It's fine. (laughs) I was so excited. When it started getting close, I was like... I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm like sitting at my desk, like getting my mic all set up and like got my cup of tea ready to go. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be here. I got my notes out and everything. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you here. So excited to meet you. Well, who wants to go first or should we roll for it? Okay. I'm going to roll for it. Okay. Morbid. Oh shit. Do we really want to start with morbid though? It's bad. Well, I'd rather do it now than, than at the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's going There's to a lot of sad stuff in the military. So. <sighs> yeah. I, know, I have funny. I have funny and it's it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to. Okay, I'm going to try it. I, I found a, a kind of a loophole, but we'll see when we get there. All okay. right. So it's with Morbid. All right. 
So, do you guys know what the record for deadliest military conflict in history is? Nope. I don't. I'm not sure. It even made the Guinness Book of World Records, but it is... Is it the Battle of the Bulge in World War II? Just the whole World War II. They pretty much... 75 million people died between 1939 and 1945, including military and civilians, which is around 3% of the entire world's population at the time. That perspective is what really got me. That is a lot of fucking people. Many civilians died because of deliberate genocide, massacres, mass bombings, disease, and starvation. So basically, World War II was just like a whole fuck ton of war crimes. It was really bad. The United States entered in 1941 and lost 405,000 people. There are still 80,000 Americans who are considered to be missing in action from military conflicts, more than 70,000 of whom people believe were from World War II. And so those numbers aren't included. So it could be a whole lot more. Does that number, like the overall number, include the people who died in concentration camps as well? Or? Yes. Yes. Damn. So it's going to be civilians, concentration camps military from all different countries so it's all kind of lumped together the soviet union lost around 27 million people during the war including 8.7 million military and 19 million civilians this represents the most military deaths of any nation germany sustained 5.3 million military losses mostly on the eastern front and during the final battles in germany Of the total number of deaths in World War II, approximately 85% were on the Allied side, so that's going to be Great Britain, United States, China, Soviet Union, and 15% were on the Axis side, so that's Germany, Italy, Japan. And uh, many of these deaths were caused by war crimes committed by the Japanese and German forces in occupied territories. So this is where it gets really sad. Nazi Germany, as part of the deliberate program of extermination, systematically killed over 11 million people including 6 million Jews, 2.7 million ethnic Poles, 4 million others who were deemed unworthy of life, which include disabled and mentally ill people, which if you listen to our listeners episode, we had somebody that was disabled that was included in that. Uh, Soviet prisoners of war, homosexuals, Freemasons, Jehovah Witnesses, and Romani. And about 12 million mostly Eastern Europeans were employed in the German war economy as forced laborers. So huge amount of people. In addition to Nazi concentration camps, the Soviet gulags were labor camps, and they led to the deaths of 3.0 million civilians. Japanese POW camps, many of which used labor camps, also had high death rates. The International Military Tribunal for the Far East found that death rate of Western prisoners was 27.1% for American POWs and seven times that of POWs under the Germans and Italians. While 37,583 prisoners from the UK, 28,500 from the Netherlands, and 14,473 from the United States were released when Japan surrendered, the number of Chinese released was only 56. So if that puts any... Chinese died, y'all. God, there's bugs everywhere. I swear I don't live in a trash heap. There's <laughs> Bugs aren't even awake here yet. <laughs> Nothing dies in Texas. So it was like bugs pelting me, like flies every. Anyway, so World War II fucking sucked. World War I. Casualties were around 18 million, with 11 million being military personality and 7 million civilian. 
and this was from 1914 and 1918, countries around the world suffered unspeakable losses. A huge amount of deaths were attributed to rapid technological advances that occurred during warfare. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Two of the most horrifying technological advances. You're welcome. Prepare to be sad. One of the most primal and profound fears of men and animals alike is fire. With that in mind, fire has been a feature of combat for thousands of years, from burning arrows to scalding cauldrons of oil. It wasn't until 1913 that a German inventor named Richard Fiedler would improve and refine pure flame as a controllable, efficient weapon. God damn, fly. <laughs> Did you see it? And, no, and that's why I love you. just look like a crazy man. <sighs> yeah, I hate flies. Okay. Just in time to be unleashed, a blazing hell on battlefields in World War One, the likes of which no one, no soldier in history had ever experienced. It's just literal fucking nightmare fuel flamethrower. I know this is really sad and I'm here like swatting a fly. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's uh, our relief. <laughs> in contemporary warfare, the use of flamethrowers has tapered off in favor of more accurate weapons since they can't really shoot that far, you know. Contrary to popular belief, though, they're not outlawed by the Geneva Convention, which I did not realize. I just assumed that it was. But they do say that you just shouldn't use them anywhere civilian is. So technically, the Geneva Convention is like, you can use them in war. Which is batshit. The most notable modern example of flamethrowers being used is in 2014, and it was used as an execution tool by North Korea against its deputy minister of public safety. That is just fucking terrifying. So the cool thing, well, not cool, but I found out that the ancestor of what we call a flamethrower today got an early start in history with the Byzantine Empire. So this is fucking old. Oh, you need a flamethrower for that fly. <laughs> a few years ago, a guy in Fargo tried to, or Bismarck, maybe somewhere here in North Dakota, mm-hmm. tried to melt some of his snow with a flamethrower and got arrested for it. <laughs> oh. Like my favorite thing about North Dakota is that that's a real statement I just made. Wow. See, that's fine. As long as you're not hurting anybody, why can't you use it? Just don't use it against people. I have a blowtorch. I kind of want to try that now. In 672, crusaders would spew napalm-like substance called Greek fire on their enemies. The actual composition of Greek fire was closely guarded as a secret, and then it was lost to time because nobody talked about it and wrote it down. But scholars generally agreed that it was a pine resin used to make it sticky. As technology evolved, Greek fire was then launched out of a hand siphon that would be carried into battle. This was called the chirosiphon. Reciters would station at a high-end siphon atop a ladder or a wall, and then they would spread Greek fire down, raining chaos onto their enemies. In East, the China invented their own version in 919 during a time known as the Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms period. The Pen Wu Qi worked nearly identical to the Crusader's flamethrower, but it was more elaborate and it was made to resemble a metal dragon's breathing fire. Mm-hmm. I'd be the dumbass being like, ooh, look how pretty that is. And like, oh shit, there's fire. No. <laughs> ooh, fire. Yeah. Um, I'm dead. And I'm, yeah. like, and I'm dead. Look at that metal dragon. And then that's the last thing I think of. My past life, probably. 
Outside the Crusaders, Vikings may have also had their own version of a flamethrower. It just had I a different it. name. And uh, they used it to lay siege on Constantinople. And then the saga of Invar. That sounds right. The, tra- <laughs> the traveler tells the story of a man as he learns the art of flamethrowing. When guns and gunpowder became dominant weapons in the battlefield, the flamethrowers kind of like fizzled out a little bit. But they were never forgotten. There were even instances of people trying to use Greek fire in the Civil War in America. You never hear about that in history class, Abe Lincoln or whatever with the flamethrower. <laughs> but... Internment camps during the Civil War too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. We need to do an episode on that. There's a. There's I think a we lot. try to pretend it wasn't that bad. Like, yeah. That only we only do bad stuff when it's been introduced outside of, of our nation, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. We do some shitty stuff. Yeah. So modern flamethrowers or the Flammenwerfer. <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Germany as a whole. Were invented <laughs> in Germany in the 20th century and they were employed in World War One by German shock troops and combat engineers, which the source used the German words for those and I cut that shit out because I was like, I just I can't do that. Can't say those. So the 1919 Treaty of Versailles placed a lot of limitations on Germany, and it banned them from possession, importation, and manufacture of flamethrowers and other, you know, war machines. But they were like, eh, we can get around that. So after he became Chancellor of Germany in 1933, Hitler made the decision to uh, start making them again. So on top of aircrafts, warships, and tanks, he decided to approve the resumption of the manufacture of flamethrowers. And then the United States military adopted the flamethrower in 1942. Larger versions were also adapted for tank use by the Americans for both the European and Pacific battlefields. Other countries that employed the weapon during the war include Italy, Japan, Britain, Australia, Finland, and the Soviet Union. So fucking everybody's out there with a goddamn flamethrower. Like, I'm so glad I don't live in that time. It's just nightmare. I thought the flamethrowers were called pansins. I don't know why. Like, I just, so I started Googling it. It's not a word. I, just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the honesty. Does anybody remember? Like, doesn't, uh, isn't there like a pansin? Isn't that like a German violent tool? Like a tank or a flamethrower? It is now. It is or now. It should be. It's, yeah, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Currently, the United States federal law does not restrict private ownership of flamethrowers. However, oh, it is restricted it. by some state laws, including California. So sorry, Californians. You cannot have a flamethrower. God damn. I wasn't planning on moving there anytime soon. I'm like 99% Arkansas doesn't have one. Because Zeke has one. <laughs> Not like the kind with like the pack, but he has the, like the. I shouldn't probably Looks admit like that. Looks like probably have him in North Dakota, and the guy was in Fargo who tried to use it to. Melt oh, that's the snow. amazing. <laughs> yeah, every time like Z would, because sometimes you can burn down brush, you know, so it grows back better. He'd be out there with like a flamethrower, and then the neighbors would call the cops on us. It was a fun time. He's like, it's fine. I have a hose. It was a whole thing. <laughs> Anyway, the second most horrible thing that came out of this was toxic gas. On April 22nd, 1915, German forces shock allied soldiers along with west or along the western front 
fired 150 tons of lethal chlorine gas against two French colonial divisions of Ypres, Belgium. This was the first major gas attack by the Germans and it devastated Allied lines. The toxic smoke has been used occasionally in warfare since ancient times. And in 1912, the French used small amounts of tear gas in police operations. So it's been around forever, but the Germans really like perfected it as being deadly. At the outbreak of World War I, the Germans began actively developing chemical weapons. In October 1914, the Germans placed a small tear gas canister in shells that were fired at France, but Allied troops were not exposed. In January 1915, the Germans fired shells loaded with a xylol bromide, a more lethal gas at Russian troops on the Eastern Front. Because it was wintry cold, most of the gas froze, so... I guess it's good if you're in a freezing cold climate after all. But the Russians nonetheless reported more than 1,000 killed as a result of the new weapon. I didn't know ga- gas froze like that. So, on April 22nd, 1915, Germans launched their first and only offensive of the year, known as the Second Battle of Ypres. The offensive began with the usual art- artillery bombardment of the enemy's line. When the shelling died down, the Allied defenders waited for the first wave of German attack troops, but instead they were thrown into panic when chlorine gas wafted across no man's land and down into their trenches. The Germans targeted four miles of the front with the wind-blown poison gas and decimated two divisions of the French and Algerian colonial troops. So just one gas, they took out two whole divisions. And four miles of people. Wolf, that's a lot of people. A second gas attack against the Canadian divisions, which Canadians have done nothing to nobody ever, on April 24th pushed allies further back, and by May they had retreated into the town of Ypres. The second battle ended on May 25th with an insignificant gains for the Germans, and the introduction of poison gas, however, would be a great significance to World War One. And now I'm losing my voice, so that's awesome. I thought I wasn't sick anymore. Immediately after the German gas attack, Britain began developing their own chemical weapons and gas masks. With Germans taking the lead, an extensive number of projectiles filled with deadly substances polluted the trenches of World War I. Mustard gas introduced by the Germans in 1917 blistered skin, eyes, and lungs and killed thousands. Military strategists defended the use of the poison gas by saying it reduced the enemy's ability to respond and thus save lives. But I'm going to call bullshit on that. In reality, defenses against poison gas usually kept pace with offensive developments, and both sides employed sophisticated gas masks and protective clothing that essentially negated each other's chemical weapons eventually. So I guess I guess if you create a new weapon to kill people, other people are going to create something to stop it, but it's still all awful. The United States, which entered World War I in 1917, mm-hmm. also developed and used chemical weapons. Future President Harry S. Truman was captain of the U.S. Field Artillery Unit that fired poison gas against the Germans in 1918. In all, more than 100,000 tons of chemical weapons agents were used in World War I. Some 500,000 troops were injured and almost 30,000 people died because of this, including 2,000 Americans. In the years following World War I, Britain, France, Spain all used chemical weapons and various other colonial struggles despite mounting international criticism of chemical welfare. In 1925, the Geneva Protocol of 1925 banned the use of chemical weapons and war, but it did not outlaw the development or stockpiling. 
So most major powers built up a substantial chemical weapon reserve. In 1930, Italy employed chemical weapons against Ethiopia, and Japan used them against China. In World War II, chemical warfare did not occur, primarily because all the major belligerents possessed both chemical weapons and the defenses, such as gas masks, protective clothing, and de- or detectors. So you didn't want to waste it on somebody that could, it didn't bother them. In addition, in a war characterized by lightning-fast military movement, strategists opposed the use of anything that would delay operations. Germany, however, did use poison gas to murder millions of people in their extermination camps. Since World War II, chemical weapons have been used in a handful of conflicts. In Yemen from 1966 to 67, the Iran-Iraq War of 1980 to 1988, and always against forces that lack gas masks or other simple defenses. In 1990, the United States and the Soviet Union signed an agreement to cut their chemical weapon arsenals by 80% in an effort to discourage smaller nations from stockpiling. In 1993, the International Treaty was signed, banning the production, stockpiling, and use of chemical weapons. It took effect in 1997, and it was ratified by 128 nations. And that's it. Sorry, I thought you were going to keep going. No. Round of applause. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's all really sad. Oh, it's like just a shitload of death there. Thank you, Gina. Yeah. Well, it is Mormon, but yeah. Just... I was like, how can I make jokes to this? <laughs> There's nothing. Just talk really fast and don't make us over faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've strange. got no jokes about chemical weapons. I'm sorry. I do no. hate mustard, though, so I think I would also hate mustard gas. Yeah. <laughs> fair. fair assessment. Yeah. I, I spent the it. entire time you were talking trying to come up with a joke, and that's the closest thing I got. <laughs> what is wrong with us as humans? If, if you wear glasses, inside of your gas mask, you have, like, these inserts you put in there, and they are the most ridiculous things on the face of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one thing I was excited about the military was being gassed. I wanted to be like a badass, but I'm like, that's probably dumb. Oh, it, I didn't love it. <laughs> they, so the way that we did it in the Air Force, I've heard a lot of people, it sounds like it's really different for everybody that does it. They had us crack the seal on our mask because you're in full mock gear. So you're like in chemical protection and they had you crack the seal on your gas mask and it starts coming flooding into your mask. So by the time you take it off, you have to give a reporting statement, which is just like your Sir Trainee Abbey reports as ordered, except I was not, that's not who I was at the time. But, um, <laughs> and, but it's really hard to say because as soon as you take your mask off, all the, like, even when it's cracked, all of that gas just comes at you. I remember um, when you leave the little gas chamber area, there's like other random airmen that are supposed to like stop you from wandering away because you just like walk out blind, you know, like, I can't see. I like I had a sinus infection the entire time I was in basic training. I was like sick the entire time. Most of my flight was there was a lot of people. It happens. It's pretty common that people are really sick throughout training. So I was like just convinced the entire time I was going to die. But like after the gas mask, I was great. Oh, wow. Gas chamber. Yeah, I cleared out my sinuses. I was (laughs) Well, they don't tell you this, that this is like the number one allergen capital of the fucking country so i can't oh, imagine doing basic here yeah when i moved here oh, i was God. so sick i thought i was dying and they're like oh it's allergies it has the highest pollen count of anywhere in the country and like nobody tells you that when you move here i can't imagine going to basic here that'd be just a nightmare 
just if anybody's listening wants to join the military don't join the air force and go to basic training in the summer that's a dumb decision <laughs> don't go july and august it's so stupid. hot it was unbearable can't imagine how many people pass out probably a lot it it happened pretty frequently in my flight i don't i got close to passing out a couple of times but i never like actually passed out we had like four people pass out one time after they smoked us in the day room because we had just given blood that same day too. So. Oh no! Yeah, that's fun. I lost fifty pounds in basic training. So oh wow! And I was kind of chunky, but I wasn't. I don't I think mean, I you couldn't have been because they measure your shit in meps. If you're like half an inch off, yeah. you're like fuck off. I think I was I'm- like the biggest I could be before I started, and then like by the time I left, I left. I was like. So small. I'd never worn pants that small in my life. I was like, ooh, look how skinny I am. Yeah, I think I was like one inch below what they were like, no. Yeah. I think they measure your neck. And I was like, this is all very weird. MEPS is the like-, like the test where they measure you and then they make you get in your underwear and do a duck walk. And it's just humiliating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot. Like- what was that for? Um, To make sure that you're fit for the military. Yeah, the duck walk. walk? Yeah. In your underwear. In front of other people. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Well, it's to see your joint movement. Mm -hmm. To make sure everything moves right. To see your gait and everything. Yeah. My joints don't move right. So I almost flunked. They should have flunked me because they eventually threw me out because I have arthritis. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it now. Mm -hmm. So there's like 30 of you in there all in your underwear doing a duck walk. It is the most ridiculous fucking thing. And then they make him go to a room where some fucking nine-year-old looks at your hoo-ha to make sure you don't have, like, genital warts. And it's just yeah, humiliating. Like, <laughs> just goes straight in. I don't know if the guy that you had wore gloves, but this guy touched me without gloves. And I was like, Mine didn't have things. gloves either. I was like, what like are you 90. doing? For 85 years. I oh, wonder if we went to the same Mets, probably. Maybe in Little Rock. Did you go to Little yeah, Rock? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was probably the same oldest yeah. fuck guy. Yeah. Been it was horrible. Yeah. It was horrifying. And then they like wake you up at 3 a.m. to get you there. And they're just like, wake up. And then they start screaming at you. Oh, yeah. The whole, the whole thing's ridiculous. That's how, the, that's how it is with the entire time in basic training. Well, too. they start. They're like, let's take you to a Hilton. And it's all nice. And you're like, oh, that's so wonderful. And then it's just like fucking nightmare. <laughs> I'm so glad. It's so, it just sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was embarrassing. I'm like, you have no just modesty after that. You're like, okay. Oh yeah, I could be naked right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they make you pay t like pee tests, and then somebody has to watch you pee. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh man. Oh, and that doesn't stop too in the real Air Force. They still do that. I know. He comes so just... he's like, somebody looked at my dick today, and I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I take it. Yeah, <laughs> we we called it pee pee watching. <laughs> <laughs> he had to do the watching not too long ago, and he's like, he took a morning shift so there was only like a couple of people instead of a lot of people and i'm like i'm mm-hmm. so sorry i never had to do it i never had high enough rank but my husband had to do it a couple of times and he'd be like well today's my pp watching day oh <laughs> uh, was he air force too mm-hmm. yeah oh what was his rank not that it matters uh, he was a staff sergeant oh okay yeah he's master now yeah. um tom was in for 10 years which is like normally about the time people put on tech but um and he's he made staff the first time. He's a super smart guy. I was always surprised he didn't make tech, but like he knew he didn't want to stay in. He knew mm-hmm. when he re-enlisted, it was just like a circumstance thing that he kind of had to re-enlist. And um, he's 
like it's almost funny that he didn't make more rank because he's like the most successful person in everything that he does so it's like people are like oh so that's like the one thing that you weren't the most successful in (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway who wants to go next or should i roll i can go okay so i just kind of gave myself a rough outline i didn't um like write a script so if i start rambling just like tell me i'm rambling because i don't always listen oh no go for it you do you so I want to talk about START treaties. These um, A START treaty is Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty. The, the ST comes from strategic and the AR is arms reduction. And then the TR is treaty. Um, they just want, you know, Air Force loves acronyms. All the military does. Um, there was a couple of different versions of the START treaty. There's been START 1, 2, and 3. 3 was ac- never actually signed. Um, but START 1 began in uh, the negotiations began in 19, 1982 during the Cold War and um, continued until 1994 when it finally took effect and, you know, the Cold War ended. And, you know, there's a lot to how it goes with the Cold War. Um, It coincides with when the Berlin Wall came down and stuff. The Cold War really fueled a lot of the nuclear enterprise and a lot of the development behind it. Are you guys familiar with the phrase trust but verify? Came from Reagan talking about the nuclear enterprise. Mm -hmm. When the START treaty was, I'm actually saying most of this from memory without references, so if I get something wrong, please tell me. But when the START treaty was first enforced, Reagan made a um, a speech about, you know, we finally stopped putting into the Cold War with this treaty, and he part of the treaty allows um, inspections to happen where the Russians can come here and inspect us, and uh, Americans can go over there and inspect their nuclear enterprise. And so that created the idea of trust, but verify. And it was really common. Uh, one of those famous quotes attributed to Reagan. Republicans use it a lot in campaigning and things like that. But trust, but verify kind of became the phrase that went along with the nuclear enterprise. Um, you hear it a lot from 2W2s. Those are people who are nuclear weapons maintainers in the Air Force. It's really just thrown around all the time. It's actually the motto for my business, too, because it's kind of so ingrained in what we do. Yeah. And, since essentially what we're doing is verifying that a police investigation was done correctly, it really fits too. Currently, we're on what's called New Start. And New Start, it's just the treaty that says we can only have 700 employed ICBMs, SLBMs, and heavy bombers. And so an ICBM is an intercontinental ballistic missile, Minuteman mm-hmm. 3s, those sort of things. Those are ICBMs. They go from one continent to another, they exit. Um, the atmosphere and come back down. So if you check out like a Minuteman 3 reentry vehicle video on um, YouTube, they like leave the atmosphere, separate, and then come back down. You guys can't see my illustration here, but (laughs) (laughs) trust me, it's very informative. (laughs) My big hands and whatnot. (laughs) And then SLBM is a submarine launched. uh, Oh, actually, I might have gotten that one wrong. SLBM, submarine launched ballistic missiles. They're only in the Navy, so I don't know anything about SLBMs. I don't, I've never seen one. I've heard it's similar to uh, RSRV system, but I don't know. I'm not a, not a nuclear weapons maintainer anymore, so I'm not 100% sure. But so what New Start did is it limited the amount of deployed weapons for ICBMs, SLBMs, and heavy bombers to 700 and a total of 1,550 warheads on those deployed weapons. However, heavy bombers with a warhead only count as one one weapon so one take up one quality of warhead but like a b-52 plane can carry 20 nuclear weapons so we can have like this massive amount of nuclear weapons that we're hiding behind essentially is what it comes down to is there's we can have a lot within the confines of the treaty 
that justify it, but we have a lot more than it seems like we do. So the t- different types of inspections that I was talking about, the type one inspections, that's where uh, we can go overseas and visit their nuclear enterprise in Russia and they can come here. If you've ever been part of the nuclear enterprise in the Air Force or the Navy, you would probably know that as like a DNSI or an NSI, which is a nuclear surety inspection. I've been through a couple of them in my time in the Air Force and it's a week-long inspection you prepare for six months for in advance and you work nonstop for basically, you know, six months, 30 days in advance. Uh, you, you really put in a lot of time tightening up your ship and then you get inspected by all sorts of people. Some NSIs, nuclear surety inspections, they go through really fast, kind of without a hitch. And then some are defense nuclear surety inspections and they're conducted with DITRA, which is the Defense Threat Reduction Agency and they bring along the Russians to come along. But they also bring um, people from other career fields that are like specialties in different areas, equipment people and um, the the people from the Navy who also work on nuclear weapons. Quite the, It's a very thorough inspection. Wow. Sounds very um, complicated. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> it's a lot. So, so really all that it comes down to is uh, – we do have a treaty in place for nuclear weapons to limit the proliferation of nuclear weapons, but it's not to say that there isn't weapons. There's tons and tons of them. Um, if you've ever been driving around out in middle of North Dakota, middle of Montana area, you probably have seen sites where they store weapons and haven't even realized before. Um, if you're, it's you can see them in common places that you wouldn't expect to see them. Weapons have to be transported to and from their locations the same way anything else has to be. So you may have passed a nuclear weapon on the road and you don't even know. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. That, that was really all I had for history. Oh, wasn't there like a famous thing where somebody was transporting a nuclear weapon from Arkansas? Like they went through Arkansas or something. And people kind of got their lines crossed and they didn't realize. Um, so there's a few things that it could possibly be in like 2009, I think it was Minot Air Force Base accidentally shipped six nuclear weapons to Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana. Um, and they were, I know, how do you accidentally ship nuclear weapons? <laughs> But basically, a few people didn't bother to. You have to check weapons. You can, I know. It's just priceless. <laughs> let, let me tell you how easy it is to see if there's a warhead in a weapon. Under on the bottom side of a on the bottom side of a missile, there's a bunch of different kinds of weapons. But warheads go in missiles, and missiles are on the outside of the plane. Very easy to see. Well, on the pylon, they are in a launcher. They're in the belly of the plane, but. That's not the point. What we need to focus on is that they were on a pylon on the wing of the plane. And you can just like take a flashlight and look in the, there's like little windows about this size. You put a flash, there's just like two of them beside each other. You put a flashlight on one side and you look in the other one and you can see if there's a nuclear weapon in there. Like it's really obvious and nobody just bothered to do that. So they accidentally shut them down to Barksdale and there's a lot of conspiracy theories about how one went missing or whatever. I don't buy in. I'm, I, I, I'd buy into a lot of conspiracies, but not that one. I don't think so. The Department of Energy, DOE, is responsible for like the nuclear component. And they transport that nuclear component wherever it needs to go, like in specialized trucks that don't look like they're, they just look like regular trucks. Mm-hmm. And um, 
there's lots of stories about they they go through on a convoy but they do it very inconspicuously they don't look very obvious at all um and when they're in that convoy if somebody stops them like forcibly stops them they're supposed to plow through oh basically so there's lots of stories about people like trying to stop the convoy and getting shot and whatever but i don't know if any of it's true i, I don't know damn so fascinating that really is it's really cool I didn't know any of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Funny. I know. Like my, okay. my little brain is just a little poof. I never had ambitions to be part of military. Just knew since I was born that that was not for me. And <laughs> to hear y'all talk about all this lingo and facts and stuff, I'm like, oh, hey, here's a whole hell of a lot of what I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of mine, but also I just kind of wanted to ask, do you guys have questions about weapons? I mean, like, it, it is a classified job. There's things I can't talk about, but, like, any questions about nuclear weapons? That Weapons are inherently safe. So I always try to emphasize that. There's a lot of issues with the development of nuclear weapons. There's some really great podcasts about it. I think American Scandal does an episode of, um, of a podcast about it. And then Accused Season 2 is about uh, people working in um, uranium plants and one per- like a few people going mysteriously disappearing and oh. you know, whatnot, having to do with wanting to report issues. <laughs> Sorry. What are you drinking? Is it beer? A uh, Sprite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as fun. A little bit of vodka, but mostly Sprite. Just like mix it all up, yeah. Yeah. I know I have questions. I just, I don't know what they are. (laughs) Like, it's such a complicated subject that I'm not familiar with at all. Mm -hmm. So I I feel like there's so much to know about it. I just don't know what to ask. I think people don't really know that the United States still has nuclear weapons. I've heard a couple of times people make comments that they, they thought the weapons we worked on were fake or... Um, they just, they thought maybe it was misrepresented or something. I think they're real, but I'm just another person. So what does that do for you? (laughs) Do you have one that you like to learn about more than others? Um, so I was actually trying to think of how I can say this. So, sorry guys, (laughs) my computer fell asleep. Um, so I worked one one weapon system in my entire career. There's other different kinds of weapon systems, and I only ever worked one. Lots of people work multiple different weapon systems. And when I say weapons, I mean nuclear weapons. So I didn't learn a lot about the other systems. I will say, though, that the RSRV, the um, reentry vehicle, it's... Uh, Man, it's been a while. I can't remember what the RS stands for. But um, Minuteman 3 is the one that intercontinental ballistic missiles... I will say those are super cool. I'm very fascinated by them. Um, it's really neat that they like leave the atmosphere and come back. And like that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And they, and it can happen in like 30 minutes. It's very fast. <laughs> oh, wow. That and, is really fast. And I know from doing uh, weapons maintenance on little missiles, the they're called... Uh, <laughs> <outcomes. laughs> I'm sorry. I laugh. It's just so cute. <laughs> Well, and it's like perfectly timed. <laughs> um, but I know from doing maintenance on the smaller missiles, the ACLMs or air launch cruise missiles, outcomes, however you want to call them, 
you, we couldn't we couldn't get weapons loaded out and off the you know because you you get them from a structure you got to get them ready to get on the plane take them to the plane load them up to the plane make sure that they connect to the plane properly and then the plane has to take off where an icbm there's like two officers in a hole somewhere in the middle of montana and they're like we good to go we ready to launch these bitches <laughs> and then they go i mean it's wow. more complex than that but yeah, yeah. i hope so yeah <laughs> i'm like hold my beer yeah <laughs> Wow. That's really interesting. Are all the weapons you deal with, are they all like missile size, basically? Or is there anything smaller? Or are they? So in tech school, they talk to you about like the history of uh, nuclear weapons and a lot of the different stuff that the military has tried out. And there have been different kinds of like backpack, backpack nuclear weapon bombs where you like carry it on your back, run around and throw it and then run away. Um, oh, no. That's not very dangerous. <laughs> work out but they're they're all missile size there's there's two different bombs and two different missiles and they're uh, the missiles there's the what little missiles that go on a plane and then the intercontinental ballistic missiles oh wow and the submarine missiles which are just the same thing converted essentially mm. i did not know that i would not want to be the one person right. testing out the backpack <laughs> yeah right. run far and run really fast <laughs> oh. Were you involved testing them at all? Or like what exactly did, did you do in this position so you that you can say? <laughs> you don't really test nuclear weapons by like exploding them anymore. Not the nuclear component. You test the nuclear components with like electronic computer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. you test like the missile portion itself that's not nuclear with launches. And those are called special assignment airlift missions or SAMs. Um, and that's where you know what it's not a Sam. Um, I can't it remember. Sounded really good. <laughs> that is a thing. I just can't remember the right <laughs> acronym. I've been out for almost four years. There's so many acronyms for everything. I don't know how you guys do it. I should, it's crazy. There are testing projects that happen. I've I've gone TDY before and been on a testing project before. So, but it, it's not testing. I don't know. It's not testing probably the way most people think about it. It's like uh, the weapons get, it's not even the weapons. It's like certain components go like, you know, the missile itself doesn't have a nuclear component. It's just a missile. And so like that would be loaded up on a plane and ran through tests and maybe the missile might be launched, but there's no nuclear component with it. So. Okay. So you went TDY a lot to like, See what other oh, people no, are I doing. Oh no, I went TDY one time. One, okay, six times. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. I was just wondering if, like, you got to go see what everybody else was doing with the same. Oh God, no! There are people in my old career field mm-hmm. who get to do that sort of stuff, but I was not one of them. If you go overseas in my old career field, there's a lot of opportunities to go around to the other bases and learn from them and stuff, or from what I've been told, anyway. Mm-hmm. But there's, but here it doesn't. It, I mean, we're so isolated up here in North Dakota, too. And how many bases do that with the nuclear maintenance? Is it just Mono or is it like a lot of different ones? Are y'all doing the same thing? There are different bases and we're not all doing the same thing. Okay, That makes sense. (laughs) I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Nobody really needs to know about nuclear weapons. It's true. 
I know Little Rock has a silo like on base that you can go look at and it has like an explanation about something, but other than that. There used to be nuclear weapons all over the country mm-hmm. and then like with the start treaties and a few other things, they've really limited where they're at and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons from from what I've heard um, and like what they teach you in tech school and stuff that they closed down the weapon that Little Rock was um, somebody died inside one of the silos. Um, they dropped it. Tool control is a big thing in the career field because you can't just go drop a nuclear or tools on nuclear weapons, you know. But somebody was down in the silo and dropped a wrench or something and it caused a fuel leak. It caused the whole thing on fire. And oh, my God. The, the way that nuclear weapons work, that it's almost impossible to accidentally detonate the, the nuclear component. It's like. I don't want to say too much, but it, <laughs> there's different safety measures that it's not just going to go off on the ground. Mm hmm. And so that part was here, but the fuel, like the missile fuel, like caught on fire and yeah, but there's been a lot of small accidents like that. So very few people die in the nuclear enterprise. It's because it's inherently safe. It's a stressful job. I don't want to, um, don't want to undersell it, but very Oh no, I can't die. imagine the level of anxiety I would have being anywhere near anything nuclear. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I was like 21, 22 years old, I did some really dumb shit. <laughs> I scratched the trailer and then I spray painted it, but I didn't tell anybody I scratched it. I just like, I literally thought that nobody would notice. Turns out I was wrong. Everybody noticed it was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. But at like 21, 22 years old, they were yelling at me, telling me that the president knew I made this mistake. And oh my God. Stuff with nuclear weapons gets reported. So he probably mm-hmm. didn't know. But still, can probably you imagine being it. told that? <laughs> yeah, that'd be that's terrifying. pretty terrifying. Yeah. It's crazy. So I kind of wanted to just kind of give a little shout out to the one person that I know of in our career field that did die in the line of duty. It actually sparked a really big uh, a safe move for safety in the career field for two W2s because a missile fell off of a piece of equipment, broke in half and um, killed him in oh the maintenance bay. It was really rough for everybody involved. It was in April of April 29th of 2010, which I actually think is the weekend of our senior prom. Um, it is. Yep. And yeah. I realized that when I was looking at it today. This poor guy died out there in the maintenance bay, surrounded by people he worked with because it's in a very secure area. Nuclear weapons, obviously, are in a mm-hmm. secure area. They couldn't get to him in enough time. He just didn't make it. It's really tragic. His name is Richard Gillelli, and he was only 22 when he died. And I just, oh. we, we lose a lot of service members every year to combat And we don't think about the people we lose in Mm non-combat situations, whether it's from training accidents or suicide. I don't know if you guys know, but veteran suicide's on the rise. Oh, yeah. It's so high. I just want to, like, make sure people know that there's a lot of dangerous sides of the nuclear enterprise that aren't related to it being a nuclear weapon. Mm -hmm. Some of it has to do with the stress around it, too, like I already said. And I just think it's really important. Like, veterans got to support veterans. So if anybody's Mm -hmm. listening, they're a veteran and they want to talk. I'm here, y'all. Thank you so much for saying that, though. I think people really need to... Because everybody talks about combat, but you don't talk about other things that can happen. And Yeah. The suicide aspect is so tragic. I know just mm -hmm. from the 15 years in Arkansas, Zeke lost so many people in his unit Mm -hmm. to suicide, and it's just so sad. And I think this is really tragic, but I think the Air Force might have shifted to more people are dying by suicide than in combat and that's Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you don't want people to die, but fuck, that's, that's fucking horrible. Like Mm -hmm. more people are taking their lives than are being killed in the line of duty. I will say I was so shocked. He spent six months in Afghanistan and when he came back, he talked to a psychologist for about like an hour and they Mm -hmm. cleared him. And that's, I was like, and that was it. He just had to go talk to somebody and be like, I don't want to kill myself. And they let him leave. And I was like, how many people like, that's not enough time. If you really are hurting and you're struggling, you're probably, yeah. And the Air Force Times just released an article today or yesterday that said that um, those screenings aren't working. And everyone, like every person in the Air Force who has died by suicide post a deployment who has passed that or has passed that screening. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's a lot to say too. I talked about it a little bit earlier when I was talking about the criminal justice system, but I'll just, so roughly less than 5% of the population has served in the military are considered veterans. Veterans make up 10% of the prison population. So they're, you know, oh, wow, 10 times yeah. more likely to end up in prison compared to their civilian counterparts. And if you really look at the numbers, it really comes down to people who weren't deprogrammed properly. And it's not people who have been deployed, although they do also commit crimes about the same rate as civilians. But it's people like me who have never been deployed, who separated from the military at the end of their enlistment like I did, but Mm -hmm. that just didn't have, it's people just like me. Like I did not have a great experience in the Air Force. It was kind of traumatic for me in some ways. Like I knew pretty early on, I didn't want to work with nuclear weapons. I tried to make that clear. And there's gets to be a certain point where you know too much and they can't, they just, you have to, you just have to keep doing it. And Mm -hmm. I really think about when I say I lucked into a lot of the things that I've gotten to today, a number of things could have gone wrong. It only takes people about six decisions before they're in prison, in my Mm -hmm. experience. And how veterans separate from the military is really rough. And think about being like here in North Dakota, if you got kicked out of the Air Force here in North Dakota and you don't have the money to go home, you're stuck in North Dakota. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who are committing crimes and are in prison. People who weren't, they don't know how to provide from them for themselves. And they're coping with the trauma of their time in service with drugs and alcohol and, you know, illegal behavior to feed those addictions because they do come become addictions very quickly. Yeah. Man. So That's veterans so support veterans reach out. If yes. you need help in conclusion. <laughs> yeah. All that hurts my heart. I know like Zeke, he deployed 13 times in 15 years and just the people he was with, like, it's just, it's so much stress and, mm-hmm. you know, the PTSD and then the people that don't deploy still just the amount of stress they put on you. It's really, really sad. I can't even, I can't even imagine. I just, oh, hurts my heart. Oh man, that was depressing. Anyway, Natalie, you got something better? <laughs> yeah, please make us laugh. Jesus. Do you have I'm something really uplifting? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll do we'll do my funny thing. I'm really sad. <laughs> it's sad, but but I am happy that we have this information. So thank yeah. you, Gary, for thank sharing so that. And I want you to keep doing your research because it's important. Like keep it's, working on this. Yes. So looking at military history, there's like nothing funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tricky one. Um, I found a couple articles that was like funny incidents in the military, but it always like it can be interpreted as funny. Yeah. And it, 
but then like half the people died and i'm like this is not quite (laughs) like there was a a submarine that accidentally shot itself and the the story is like they shot itself in the foot (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny and then uh and then like half of the crewmen passed away oh there's like 350 and then only like 30 made it alive. Oh my god. Oh sorry. But like it starts off like haha fuckers and then like oh shit how most of them died not surviving. <laughs> um, it is tragic and I'm like how is this funny? <laughs> <laughs> and so like, not a lot of pressure on you cuz this is a very difficult subject so. Um oh, there's there were some others. It was like a whole thing. Uh, one was uh, France. Yes, I want to say it was France accidentally invading Spain because this was a- <laughs> they forgot where the boundary was. Sort of, and were drunk. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was like in the 1600s, and they are. Don't quote me on this because I just glimpsed at it, but it was definitely olden times. You know, 16, 1700s ish, and yeah, it was just. A few professional officers and then basically a bunch of people they gathered about 2,000 people and they ended up in Spain and they just like tackled the city and which is crazy because I'm like I'm wondering about the casualties but they found the wine cellar and they just drank a shit. <laughs> they did yeah. it for wine so they they drank a shit ton of wine and then they revolted against their officers it's <laughs> like a great time for a coup it was. And so, like, that was the only one I found as close to funny as possible that at least didn't tell me the number of deaths because I don't remember it. So I'm going to block that out. But <laughs> in the submarine one, I read, like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then, like, no one made it. So I'm like, good God. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, all right, military jokes. That's what we're going to do. Okay. Yeah, let's <laughs> liven this shit up. I'm ready. I just killed like 70 million people in my... No, wait. Yeah, like <laughs> 80, 90 something. Yeah. Too many people have died this episode. Uh, Carrie, do you like dad jokes at all? I do. I love dad jokes. <laughs> okay. See, I hate them, but I know Tina liked them. And so I'm like, maybe y'all can. So we'll get to this. <laughs> oh, she bounces like me too. Oh, yeah. I'm on a yoga ball. So I like, I wiggle around. <laughs> Every time you see my desk like wiggle like that, it's because I accidentally kicked the leg. Like... <laughs> I'm in the yoga That's- ball and just bouncing around. And- <laughs> oh. It's not for me, but it's okay. It's not for me. It's for y'all. Okay. Exactly. Entertain me. All right, Go. Captain. Well, here we have two Marines and a dog. Two Marines are walking down the street when one of them spots a dog licking himself. One Marine says to the other, man, I wish I could do that. Which the other Marine replies, no, you better not. That dog might bite you. <laughs> my dog sorry all right so <laughs> this next one it's all right i'm the only one that has that, i don't even have a plant y'all have got all your critters i don't even have a plant you don't even have oh. a plant you need to you know what's missing from your house it's rocks and plants that's what it is it's true <laughs> somebody on facebook they got a cactus and they named it cactus everdeen <laughs> like, that's so witty i like it I love it so much. I like it. Like, I'm so it's sad like, I didn't think about it. Oh, it's too much. Too much. <laughs> uh, this next one is one lazy sailor. 
A senior chief who, when addressing his 25 sailor, says, I have an easy job for the laziest man here. Put your hand up if you are indeed the laziest. Almost immediately, 24 men raise their hand. The senior chief asks the other man, why didn't you raise your hand? The same replies, because it was too much effort. Too much trouble. <laughs> I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to. I've used, People have used this trick on me a lot. It takes me a lot to learn my lesson sometimes. Where they're like, okay, I need a volunteer. And then, you know, you don't get volunteers, but you want volunteers to send people home. And so then the next time you ask for volunteers, people are like, oh, are you sending people home? They get excited and start volunteering. And then you go make them do the shittiest thing around. Mm. Yes. I have experienced something similar to that. And it's not fun. (laughs) Thanks. One is the old veteran and his barracks room. An old veteran walks into a grocery store. Immediately the cashier stops and says, sir, your barracks store is open. At first, he pays zero attention to her because he doesn't live in the barracks. So he continues shopping until he spots a man stocking some shelves. He tells him what the cashier said and asks what she could, what she could have meant. He tells the veteran that uh, your fly is open. <laughs> After completing his shopping, he goes back to the same cashier and says, "Ma'am, you t- told me about the barracks door while you were looking. Did you see a marine standing at attention, saluting?" <laughs> the cashier replies. Oh, sir, I just saw an old retired veteran lying on two sea bags. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> Burn. That was a good one. I laughed. It is. <laughs> Natalia, uh, I think no time for your good. dad jokes. <sighs> Have you guys ever heard? And that one I actually kind of laughed at. And then I'm like, the sea bags. And then they grossed me out. You laughed because it was gross. <laughs> Have you ever heard yeah. anybody? Um, it's really common in basic training, but like somebody who's like a waste of space, they just can't get anything right. The TI or whoever will give them a, a like a potted plant and be like, here, now you can at least help feed your oxygen with this plant because you're useless in every other way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. I didn't, I've never actually seen it happen, but I've heard so many stories of something similar to that. Like, you got to carry around this plant because you're a waste of space, and at least the plant gives us oxygen and whatnot. So, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, here's a good, I feel like a solid kind of dad joke. And it's like, what do you call a soldier who survived mustard gas and pepper spraying? A seasoned veteran. Oh. I feel bad for laughing. Yeah. I know. But it's pretty good. Well, Better than my This one's even earlier. worse. I had a very ill and that's time why story. I'm, like, I'm definitely reading that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you call someone who just got run over by a tank? Crunchy. Oh, crunchy? Worse. Yeah, crunchy. Oh, crunchy. I thought you said Frenchy. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe they're France then. Fr- <laughs> yeah, well, in the Asian, they could be a crunchy roll. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's gross and sad, but I laughed, so. <laughs> I'd watch anime, so that's like the reason why I would think this. <laughs> what month do all troops hate? March. <laughs> so lame. It is lame. Does your husband participate in Movember Mustache March? No. <laughs> 
Movember is where you grow mustache, and Mustache March is also where you grow mustache. And it's just a competition in the military to see how disgusting of a mustache people can grow. Turns out my husband's mustache is disgusting. Yeah, so he did it one time. He he decided he was going to have a mustache, and it was so creepy. I just... And then finally, he finally saw it himself, and he's like, okay, it's gone forever. During inspections, everybody used to shave their heads. Well, the... (laughs) <laughs> but all the guys used to shave their heads and um, we had an inspection in November one time. So they're like shaving their heads and growing mustaches. And I told my husband, uh, it was before we got married. And I was just like, you can just not come home if that's you want to shave your head and have a mustache. I can tolerate one or the other, but not both. But now he shaves his head and has a beard. He looks better than ever. He's like the most handsome guy on the face of the planet. Yeah, he looks through the beard. I have a friend that she's British and she met her airman in England and he deployed for a long time. And when he landed, he had a just horrific mustache like they do. Yeah. And when she, he's like, I'm not kissing you until like, you shave that, that shit up. And face. then he like fucking proposed. And she's like, God damn it. <laughs> so oh, I would be so mad if somebody proposed to me with a shitty mustache. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't <laughs> a fan. More jokes, Natalie. <laughs> okay. This one I'm going to read just because of our fire stuff earlier and it says air force fact the only time you can have too much fuel is when you're on fire (laughs) true Uh, or fuel on the ground that's too much (laughs) how do you know when when you're on a date with a fighter pilot and when it's half over he says enough about me want to hear about my plane Uh, oh my gosh this one (laughs) she's cracking herself up next one is where do rabbits learn to fly and that's the hair force oh yeah that's so bad (laughs) some people call it the chair force Mm. (laughs) they think we're Um, lazy I mean, I am. Don't, but that doesn't mean anything <laughs> on the Air Force. Don't. Anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, I'll just do a couple more. And it's uh, what do you get when you drop a piano on an Army officer? Oh. I no, I thought I had something, but I don't. No. No, that's something that she need, that Carrie needs to tell her husband because since he plays instruments. <laughs> um, what was the answer? Did you say it? A flat major. Oh, that's good. Did you hear about the accident on base? A tank ran over a box of popcorn and killed two colonels. Oh. <laughs> that one I'm going to end on just because that one, that dad joke actually made me laugh, made me a little chuckle. So, on there, kids. This that is on a good. website. The, it's, a, it's 105 military jokes. So there's like literally 105 on here of all the branches of military, and it's quite hilarious. That's funny. Is that yeah, your jam? We laugh. Yeah, I don't like to. I was about to say, I don't like to laugh at dad jokes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I think they're funny. Veterans have a really messed up <laughs> sense of humor a lot of the time. Oh, so yes. I'm kind of surprised those jokes weren't a little more colorful <laughs> i know i have the jokes he tells i'm like you can't say that in public and he's like why not and i'm like just don't do it 
I'm telling you, just don't do that. I used to cuss so much that <laughs> when I started a civilian job, that they were like, we can't stop you, but like control yourself a little bit. Like they weren't even upset with me. They were just like, are you okay? Do you know you're saying that many swear words? Nope, no yeah. fucking. <laughs> Yeah, I'm working on a business venture right now. And I was like, just imagine it. When you retire, you don't have to work for civilians. He's like, done. Support. Yeah. Got, got it. I was like, yeah. okay. Sometimes I feel like I had to become a PI because I couldn't figure out how to work for people anymore. Like, I was too. Well, like, our new base, he's basically working with all civilians. So it's like mm-hmm. headquarters. So it's a lot of retired people, but mostly contractors. And he's like, I don't know how to talk to civilians. He's like, this yeah. is what post retirement is like. I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> the transition yeah. is hard. It is so hard. Mm-hmm. And I was only in for six years. I can't even imagine if he's been in, you know, for close to twenty at this point. That's- yeah, and there's no prep for it either. They don't tell you no, how to do it. They have like a class, but really, it's a week long class where they tell you how to write a resume. And then try to scare you about how horrible the civilian world is. And like, it is hard. And like, I don't know how insurance works. I'm still confused about taxes. I like have lots of questions about lots of things. But I have so much freedom now. And like PRP, Personnel Reliability Program, is like a specific program you have to be on if you work on nuclear weapons. You basically don't have privacy from your immediate supervisor. And like, you so much of your life is just like very controlled and people know about so much I I could never go back to it now I'm like such a a different person it's bananas I being independent from the military was weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) I totally trust professionals like a professional can tell me just about anything and my dumbass would believe it okay so here's an example of this I had foot surgery a couple of years ago and like they did that blocker thing I had it on both feet but on one of my feet I like didn't regain the feeling in my toes very well and I told Mm -hmm. the doctor I was like I can't really feel my toes right he's like it'll probably just be like that forever it's totally fine and I was like sure (laughs) all right like I didn't ask a single fucking follow-up question that man told me I wasn't gonna feel my toes for the rest of my life and I was like all right (laughs) oh man there are some parts, and that's like from the military too. Like sometimes I just accept things without knowing why I'm accepting them. You can just tell me you with authority. You can just tell me the dumbest shit, and I'll be like, okay. Maybe four hours later, I'll be like, that's not right. That was wrong. <laughs> but in the time, I'll be like, absolutely, you got it, coach. That is okay. That is me too. Like, like it's like a, I'm very surface, and yeah. at the and I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. And then as soon as I get home, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it works. Honestly, it's like kind of bad with my husband, too, because if he just there's like a certain tone he uses and he knows, too. I'll just like whatever he says. I'm like, sure, whatever. And he'll be mm-hmm. like, can I spend $10,000 on a guitar? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then later, I'm like, no, wait, are you serious? What? Yeah. <laughs> he would spend $10,000 on a guitar if we had the money, but I don't think we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my husband. He's like, race car. Yeah. <laughs> like a piece this big is like $2,000. He's like, it's worth it. I promise. Yeah. It's promise. Like, I don't understand car things. So whatever. Whatever makes him happy. Mm-hmm. He plays good music, too. And I get the benefit of that. So I guess I can't complain too much. Oh, I can complain. Race cars get people killed. Yeah, that's fair. My husband likes safe, boring stuff that you <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. Well, Carrie, I'm so glad that you came on. I really appreciate it. And it's weird seeing you after so long in the greatest possible way. (laughs) Yeah. I learned so much from you, too. It's so exciting. I had no idea about any of those treaties that you talked about. So it's really, really excited you've been here. Like, this was really cool. I've been excited about it since, like, we very first talked about it. I'm super into this. I love that you guys are out here, like, living your dream. You guys don't give yourselves enough credit for doing something that you like to do. Like, thank you. Good on (laughs) y'all. Yeah, if you want to come back tomorrow, (laughs) part two. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you're free, you're welcome to come in. Hell yeah. Uh, That'll be fun. Yeah. commented i absolutely love you ladies this was a beautiful evening thank you oh, yeah, I, know, I, just, Marissa. I don't know who she wine is while watching us <laughs> oh yeah Marissa's amazing yeah and the one we can't see that's refat mm. yeah. oh, i was wondering who that was okay yeah, I, 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 I peaked is it more than one person or is it just one person um the one that just says facebook user that's refat mm. so her husband is from texas mm. so that's it was jeff jeff too yeah like, we've yeah. Had- users and it was jeffy jeff jeff your thoughts so smart she's like a professor in new york that just is intimidating how smart she is <laughs> old york that's how you know it's real uh, yeah <laughs> i know right it's not legit unless it's yeah. oh, all, our all of you guys are just so amazing i can't some days i'm like do i need to pinch myself this is real that you guys are like our friends now it's just fantasy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll plug your guys' Patreon some more. That two dollars a month thing, I can't get over that <laughs> shit. Like it's I'm not even joking. And I I listen to tons and tons of podcasts. And mm-hmm. most of them like are a waste of money unless you do at least ten dollars a month. And it's like, I don't want to pay a random person ten dollars a month to listen to one extra episode. But you guys like offer so much with your lowest level. It's amazing. My brother has a Patreon and it's like I don't even um, I patronize him because I my brother, you know, but it's like <laughs> Like, you guys are the, if I could only patronize one person, it would be y'all for sure. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Did you get our letter yet? I sent you a button. I don't know if you've gotten it yet. Me? Yeah. Yeah, check your mail. Check your mail. No, but there's been a lot of storms in Fargo, so. Oh, okay. And yeah, it is like 30 below there. But yeah, there's yeah. an alien button <laughs> coming your way. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, so everybody on Patreon has something, except... Taru, I haven't sent yours yet because we're out of stickers, but we're going to get stickers. <laughs> and she's also in Finland, so it might take a while. I don't know how long yeah. it takes. International. I, know, I, love that we're, I don't know. I love that we're international. That's so amazing. We are. Oh, man. I'm just, I'm so excited. I love you guys so much. We're like all over the place now. Oh, she's so amazing. I haven't really participated in the group very much, or actually, I should say at all, because I just <laughs> I just haven't gotten there yet. I will. I just I'm slow sometimes. Um, but it looks like you guys have like a lot of active audience members too Ooh. that like want to engage, and that's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like nerves hiccups. <laughs> I'm I've done them for like as long as I can remember. I used to have them in high school, but just like not very often. And sometimes they do get worse. Maybe it is nerves. I don't know. Maybe. Don't be don't be shy. There's only three people watching us. <laughs> <laughs> right now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So um we do have a shout out this week. It is I Googled it and I hope I'm saying this right. Taru? Taru Taru? That's what the Google told me to say. 
I should have asked you how to pronounce that. But she is from Finland. And I I can't comprehend. I can't wrap my mind around this. That we have a Patreon from another country. I know. And I love the postcard she sent us. Yes. We got a postcard. She was the first postcard. Rafat was our first package. And she was our first postcard. (laughs) I'm so happy. (laughs) So much. Oh, I sent her a message back and I wrote back thank you and finish and I was like did I do this right and she's like yeah and I'm like okay thank you Google <laughs> I don't know. just don't pronounce it let's like we can type stuff just don't pronounce it <laughs> oh my you guys kill me every week pronouncing stuff I don't talk to a lot of southerners anymore because I'm in North Dakota so I just mm-hmm. you know <laughs> you know don't um and I sometimes I've I don't think I have much of an accent anymore. Although like now I probably it's worse having been with you guys for two and a half hours. But, <laughs> um, but you guys kill me because you pronounce things in the most Southern of way. The way you said Tuskegee on like two weeks ago or whatever. I've been laughing about that since then. I'm like, that's not a Southern uh, thing I've heard today. Yeah. <laughs> what was the word? Tuskegee. Tuskegee. Oh. <laughs> Tuskegee. Yeah. It's yeah. Are great. We did that live Patreon chat the other day, and the second my mom logged on, my accent got worse, and I was like, <laughs> I know the mountains are close. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's, my husband always says it's worse when I'm on the phone with my sister for a while. Yeah. I get, like, really Southern. He's like, who have you been talking to? Why do you sound like that? When you're around <laughs> other fellow Southerners, it gets way worse. It's, yeah. it's wild how that works. I own it now. I, yeah. It's just part of me. I used to hate it, but now I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to own it and just roll with it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Hate it. Anyway, back to the episode. Join Patreon. Patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And of course, all of our social media, historical AF pod, right? Yeah. Okay. I uh, forget half the time. <laughs> anyway, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, where you get all the amazing memes and fun stuff. And, and with Patreon, you get your book chats and art fun stuff. Art range, art rants. Yeah, my most recent one just came up, and I did Guernica. So also World War Two themed. I bitched about Hitler a lot. So join oh. Patreon. I actually I got really emotional at the end. I almost cried, and then I got really embarrassed. But I was like, "Fuck it, we're just putting it up." My mom was like, "Were you crying at the end?" I was like, "A little bit." I got really emotional about how many people died. <laughs> I. <laughs> I'm a delicate little flower, and like the minute I stopped fighting that, my life is substantially improved. Like I will cry at the do- drop of a dime. It's fine. I'll get over it. But like, just let me cry it out. Yeah, That's awesome. yeah. <laughs> and now live yes, episodes. Yeah, Marissa. Just yeah. So all this is live. We've had a lot of you guys watch. This is really exciting. I'm so sorry for all the <laughs> stuttering and the bouncing. Yeah, the wiggling around. And my yeah. dog making weird groaning noises periodically. <laughs> he was definitely was... roaring so loud at one point. It's going to be on the audio. I can't wait. Weird. I'm going to like make a sound bite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that should be like someone's ringtone. Just your dog snoring. Yes. Yeah. Like Natalie's turkey sounds. <laughs> Are you a turkey? Uh, I don't know. Well, sometimes when I mess up, I go, boom, boom, just bring <laughs> I do that too. It, like uh-huh. when you just want to like, I don't know. It's a good. It's like a rewind sound. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, let's back that up. And here we go. Yeah. And then, yeah. 
And, and sometimes like your words get going too fast. Like your brain and your mouth aren't on the same mm-hmm. page. So it's like, I'll just reset. Yeah, exactly. And Marissa and I think Jeff or a few other of our awesome listeners were like, we would pay you to have that, like just to have that. <laughs> so yeah. that is actually available too. It's just like, blah, blah, blah. and then I went plop and that for like text messages, if you wish yeah. to have as well. <laughs> So that is oh, on I Patreon. Think I those, actually. <laughs> no, download that. Be I guess put it on me. So if I were text you, it'd be this blow yeah. up. <laughs> oh yeah, the elephant incoming client calls. She does like really great elephant impression. It, do it. <laughs> do it. Do it right now. <laughs> That's really good. I believed it. <laughs> <laughs> We are in my, the savannah. <laughs> my husband will like flex his throat and like flick his neck, oh, and it makes he like does it to a rhythm. He can play the "Kiss the Girl" song that way. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, he's a, a weird little creature. <laughs> peer pressure, peer pressure. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I know the little kids love it when I make the elephant sounds because yeah. then they try to do it too. They're just like, you totally seem like a librarian to me. I bet you're like the best librarian in the world. It like totally seems to fit you. I try. Is. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs>